As indicated by writer Greg Ipp, since bottoming out in early 2020, the U.S. economy has handily outperformed other major advanced nations in terms of pace of recovery, except along one critical dimension, labor force. Labor force participation has been climbing recently, but remains meaningfully below pre-pandemic levels in America. Between the fourth quarters of 2019 and 2021, the labor force participation rate, defined as the share of the population ages 15 to 64, either working or looking for work, declined 0.7 percentage points in America while expanding in both Japan and Canada, according to data from the OECD. By last year's third quarter, labor force participation in the Eurozone was also well above its pre-pandemic level. While much of the decline in the size of the U.S. labor force is attributable to retirement, the participation rate for people ages 25 to 54 has also declined more than in other nations. One cause of the divergence between America and other advanced nations has been differing approaches to supporting workers during the early months of the pandemic. For instance, Japanese companies have long given priority to preserving headcount. In the U.S., workers from many industries were asked not to work and received substantial government assistance instead. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by writers Lauren Weber and Chip Cutter, staffing shortages were so acute at McDonald's in mid-December that its restaurants reduced hours by 10%. As of late last month, McDonald's was still reporting reduced hours. The effects of staffing shortages have been economy-wide, of course. According to census data, nearly 9 million workers, or approximately 6% of people on U.S. payrolls, were absent from work during the first 10 days of January because they were sick or caring for someone who was. At PPG Industries, a manufacturer of paints and specialty materials, some of the company's facilities have reported 40% of their workers out in recent weeks. In January, Federal Express suspended certain air freight services as many crew members and operational staff called in sick. Domino's Pizza has indicated that it would give a $3 credit if customers picked up their orders, a maneuver driven at least in part to address a shortage of workers. Companies have struggled for months to respond to staffing challenges. Many have raised pay, while others have also dangled signing bonuses and or sweetened benefits. That said, the most recent jobs report indicates that the nation added an abundance of jobs in January, suggesting that the Omicron variant of COVID-19 has been loosening its grip. For WIPR and my Bruce Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. America's national debt recently surpassed the $30 trillion mark. The Medicare and Social Security trust funds are steadily grinding towards insolvency. Accordingly, one might think that virtually everyone is concerned about America's financial circumstances. Indeed, many people are. But there are some who are less concerned, and some of these people are believers in a view of the world known as modern monetary theory. As indicated by the New York Times, in economics, there's a school of thought sometimes called freshwater. It's a set of ideas that became popular during the 1970s and embraces the rationality of markets and limited government intervention to combat recessions. There's also saltwater thinking, an updated version of Keynesianism that holds that government occasionally needs to jumpstart the economy. This saltwater thinking is often championed by Ivy League and other top-ranked schools. Then there's modern monetary theory. 
Its theorists argue that society should feel capable of spending to achieve its goals to the extent that there exist resources available to fulfill them. Deficit spending need not be constrained. If you want to build a road, that's not a problem. Don't worry about the money if you have enough asphalt and construction workers. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Rampant inflation has become a global phenomenon, not simply an American one. Writer Asia Nelson points out that in Britain, there is a fear that sharply rising heat and electricity bills, combined with food inflation, will push millions into poverty. Across that nation, people are turning their heat down or off, switching to cheaper supermarkets, using their cars for fewer trips, cutting out restaurant meals, and abandoning plans for vacations. The English received more bad news recently when the government's price cap on energy bills was raised 54%, or by about 700 pounds, the equivalent of approximately $950 annually. Rising energy bills are in response to the elevated global price for natural gas. That same month, there was a significant increase in national insurance, a payroll tax that finances the National Health Service. Though inflation is expected to peak in Britain in April at around 7%, Bank of England economists indicate that household finances will continue to erode for the next two years. In other words, household incomes are set to be less after inflation and taxes than they were the year before. These dynamics are not only attributable to COVID and the response to the pandemic. The British are still wrestling with Brexit, the exit from the European Union. For WIPR and my Proust Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Elevated inflation remains the topic of the day in many American households. Data for January indicate that consumer prices are up 7.5% over the past year, the fastest pace of inflation in about 40 years. As indicated by writers David Harrison and Gabriel Rubin, the underlying causes are myriad, and the policy tools often deployed to tame price pressures can, under certain circumstances, push the economy into a recession. Before going further, let's take a step back and define inflation. Inflation reflects the broad rise of prices. It also represents a decline in the value of money. The dollar in your pocket is not worth nearly today what it was a year ago. Inflation generally results from too much demand chasing too few goods or limited services. There are ways to avoid inflation, at least in part. For instance, for much of the past year, new auto prices have surged because of vehicle shortages driven by a lack of parts and components like semiconductors. Not only have new car prices risen in response, so too have used car prices as the economy reopens and more people begin to commute at least a few days a week. But if you aren't in the market for a vehicle, that inflation can be completely avoided. In many cases, however, avoiding inflation is more theoretical than practical. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.